Finding a new church can be a difficult and at times destabilizing process. Whether due to a move across the country, a change in theological convictions, or an unhealthy church culture, the decision to leave a former congregation, perhaps after investing years there, can be extremely painful and lead to all kinds of questions. What should you look for in a new church? How should the preaching, the music, and the theology of the church impact your decision? Are there warning signs to watch out for and avoid? In our interview today, I'm talking with Mickey Klink, senior pastor of Hope Evangelical Free Church in Roscoe, Illinois, and a former associate professor of New Testament at Talbot School of Theology at Biola University. His new book is called The Local Church, What It Is and Why It Matters for Every Christian from Crossway. Let's get started. Well, Mickey, thank you so much for joining me today on the Crossway Podcast. Yeah, great to be here. So most of us have been in the situation of having to find a new church at some point in our lives. Uh, Often that's due to a move, maybe a change in our theological convictions, or maybe even uh, unhealthy dynamics in in a previous church. But regardless of the reason for the change, I think most people I've talked to would agree that it's generally not a very fun experience, not a fun process to have to find a new church to to be a part of, and, and actually is quite stressful for people. Um, I wonder if you could speak to that from your own experience. I know you're a pastor now, but have you ever experienced the challenge of finding a new church, and, and what was that like for you? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, it, it's very hard, and, and part of the reason I think it's hard is because you don't get to know a church just by attending one particular aspect of its life. Mm. Uh, a, a church is 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 really meant to be these deeply committed gospel-based relationships, uh, disciple-making and disciple-developing relationships that just take time. And so oftentimes the, a church is based on things that are quite simply... Uh, just the, the event of church, or mm-hmm. and, and those sometimes can be the main draw. So the reality is, it's it's very difficult. Our, my my wife and I, uh, when we I was a PhD program in St Andrews, Scotland, and so we flew from the Midwest where we were both raised and lived really all our lives to St Andrews, Scotland, and <laughs> and I remember well just the shock of of just trying to explore a church and and just a quick example of that we 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 arrived on a monday and we were adjusting to our new flat and i remember even at one point uh my wife was just kind of tears in her eyes couldn't figure out does the detergent have bleach or not because even though they <laughs> even though they spoke the same language it was a different culture and then sunday morning came and we went to saint andrews baptist church where we ended up being all three years and as they opened up, even though the opening welcome was in that Scottish accent, when we all began to sing, and it's remarkable how in singing you kind of lose the accent, mm. we began to sing the songs that were just so familiar to us as longtime Christians, and we began to participate in the, the practices that are historic and biblical in the church. For the first time in that week, we felt like we were at home. Mm-hmm. And, and and there's a reality that that's what church requires. And even in that church, we entered in knowing that we weren't going to find something that exactly fit us. We were finding something that fit God, and we wanted to align ourselves to that and even be willing to be realigned ourselves in certain ways because this is what it means to be the people of God. So I, I think it's a difficult challenge, and, and uh, this is something that we need to wrestle with as Christians and especially in our consumeristic Christian world. 
Yeah. Well, and I want to get into that dynamic of how so often the things that are most evident about a church, which often focus on that Sunday morning service, they're, they're not necessarily the whole story, and that's not enough. And, and the challenge of trying to discern some of those other realities about a church. But maybe before we get there, I think another thing that can be stressful for, for all of us as we think about contemplating a move to a new church for some reason are wondering what are the valid reasons for leaving our current church and looking for a new one. And you mentioned that, you know, we live in this consumeristic culture where it is so easy to kind of get wrapped up in, you know, what what will this church do for me? How will this serve me and might meet my needs? But how do you think about that? What guidance would you offer on discerning when it's valid for us to leave a certain church for some reason and go to a new one? Very tricky. I, I remember. I remember a, a, somebody's older brother spoke in my life once years ago, just when we were talking about this topic, and and, and was wrestling with when is it right to leave a church, right? And clearly, there could be gospel-based reasons. Like there's just a denial, distortion of the gospel. Um, but but it feels like in our day, things must much less gospel-based. Uh, much more particular or individualistic are, are directing the changes in our churches. In fact, statistics say post-COVID that there's been a reduction on average of 20 to 25 percent in many of our churches. Hmm. Uh, and, and, and where are they going back to church? Are they just going to different churches? Why are they leaving? We're in a difficult age. Uh, I've framed it for our people this way. The Christians love the pastor and the church leaders, the elders, to have a priestly role in their lives, but they aren't as comfortable with pastors and leaders having a prophetic role in their lives. And by that I mean they love to be cared for when they're brokenhearted, but they aren't as comfortable when they're hard-hearted. And what we're finding is, is that it seems like people will switch churches, uh, not for doctrinal reasons at all, but because of political alignment with COVID. If a church was asking, uh, along with the state and the local community, for people to wear masks, they would go to a church where they didn't have to wear masks. Like, those seem to me to be invalid reasons um, for someone to leave a church. I'm not saying it's wrong to have that conversation. I'm not saying it's even wrong to disagree about the science of masks or COVID. But for people to ghost, do some ghosting, but like literally never respond, to just walk out completely, to make it all on political basis. We, we're a Baptistic church, uh, as an e-free church. We, we had a we had a brother go to a Presbyterian church o- over masks, and 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 I said to him, "Are, are you Presbyterian?" Um, nothing wrong with our Presbyterian brothers and sisters, but I mean that's a that's a big switch yeah. from credo to pedo Baptist, right? From Congregational to Presbyterian, I mean, he, he didn't even th- thought of any of those. It was completely based upon a mask policy that was temporary at best and trying to balance a love of God and love of neighbor and w- love of one another that King Jesus seems to command. So right. I think it's very difficult. One thing I would say in recommend, recommending this is I would hope that a committed disciple would go and talk to their pastor elders, that there would be a conversation. A scary trend it seems happening in, in, in churches like mine and others is that there's not even a conversation. There's no dialogue. That, that does not fit what membership is supposed to be about. That is not submitting to the leaders over you. Uh, there's, there should be a, a good conversation and a humble willingness to find a place to come to an agreement, especially when it's not based on a doctrine of justification by faith, but something to do with a practice or a policy. 
And how do you think about that idea of submission to our spiritual leaders in a church, given the the fundamentally voluntary nature of church participation and membership in our in our culture, and even in you know a, a Baptist ecclesiology where um, there there is a we, we won't we don't want to move in a direction of saying well you live in this area therefore you have to go to this one church and that's that's your assigned church. Um, Whereas in, in church history, obviously, that's been something that has existed in different places and times. So how do you think about that idea of submitting to leadership, uh, in a particular, when you might not agree with them and you might be concerned about certain issues with them? Very difficult. I mean, church has become, at least in the practice of a lot of Christians, a voluntary society. An association is no different than a movie theater or the YMCA. And when the YMCA raises rates, you just you just stop going. If a, if a restaurant no longer serves the pasta you like, you just stop. That is not the way the church is designed. And, and, and so it is hard in a free market economy, right, not to treat the church like a free market. If you are a Christian, if you are if you have been redeemed and are united to the body of Christ physically then you are thus connected to the body of Christ the local church it is a direct connection so it must be with with very solemn humble attitude that one would disassociate in some way from a church or treat the body of Christ loosely. Uh, I, I worry about that in our context of kind of the free market consumeristic sense and churches too. I mean, they can feel the pressure just to be, to work on branding and marketing the big Sunday event uh, rather than just the deeply entrenched life of the body of Christ. Mm. So I, I think we have to ask Christians to take serious the Bible's commands that the church actually and its leaders, right, humble individuals, who are redeemed by Christ, for them to take serious the fact that they are under the authority of their pastors and elders. I don't know how this happens outside of church membership. I think churches have to do better to speak about church membership and the role of church membership. Um, there have they have to be deep in relationships and community. But we're asking Christians to be biblical in this regard. And in a free market economy right now, the culture is directing more how we engage with the church and consumerism than the fact that technically I sit under my pastors and elders they sit over me and as hebrew says why would we want to burden those who care for our souls we have responsibility to sit under them and that's just a level of spiritual maturity and maybe even just biblical teaching hmm. yeah you talked about how um just the by virtue of our salvation who we are in christ we are connected to the church and so what would you say to someone who says yes i agree with that and i agree that it's important for me to be connected to a local church but that, that local church could change. I'm, I'm still committed to the church broadly, the global church, the invisible church, and, and I am even committed to a local congregation, but that might change depending on you know uh, my stage of life, my preferences, things that I'm uh, feeling like I need at this point in my life. Yeah, I mean, I mean, two things you raise. I'll hit, I'll hit on the, the invisible visible first. I, nobody in t- attends the invisible church. Right, um, and every every church is located, i.e., local. Right, so the reality is, that the church is not just coffee with friends. It's not just a metaphor. It's not just some uh, biblical theological category. It is the local church. So everyone should, in their connection to Christ, be connected to a local church, and that can vary. I mean, you can be in a large city like Chicago, which is not too far from us, and there are churches all over the place, or you can be in rural Kansas. 
and there are there, there's just a select few of churches where you can find but as the as in your connection to the body of Christ you are connected to his body the church that's just non-negotiable um, now, now how one does that is we have to be careful we have to be open to the fact that we are consumers I just think we just need that on the table that we have just we are master consumers and it is so easy for us to treat our church based upon do I have friends here social connections um, uh, do they do they teach in the topics I want to do they politically align with me do they do homeschooling or do they public school all of those the worship music which is in a sense the new sacrament for evangelicalism right baptism lord's supper those things are minimally as influential in most evangelicals minds today as something like worship music uh. right and and so it has worship music become a new sacrament is that the way that i'm fed is it am i in relationships am i known by the pastors we have to ask people and call them to be faithful to the biblical prescriptions for connection to a local church and that's going to take discipling and catechizing uh, and hard conversations and the reality is there will just be some that will just be consumers but we need to be a church that seeks to help them be developing into faithful disciples hmm. so then let's let's turn to the person who has maybe uh, thought very carefully very intentionally sought counsel even talked with their pastors about uh, maybe a growing conviction that they need to find a new church maybe it is because of a, a significant significant life change or a move across the country or maybe there is just a growing theological difference of opinion uh, that they feel like is really significant. Um, how would you advise them to actually have those conversations and, and go about making that break? Is that something that you would kind of say there's a, a set amount of time that they should give it, uh, a set number of people they should talk to? How, what advice would you give to that person? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, so obviously there's lots of variables that even you're raising when you, when you pose that question. But I would hope that there would initially be conversations with the pastoral leadership. If, if there's a concern regarding the church, that's the best place to start, right? Just to simply say, I'm concerned about this. So it's, there's not a gossip. There's not a slander. That you're going to the leaders. You're addressing that. That can be hard. It is more tempting for people just to do their ghosting moves and just to separate. But to go to the pastors and elders with, with humility, uh, with, a, with a level of, of love for the church and the gospel and to address those concerns and be willing to be spoken to where there's a level of disagreement, to be asked to take more time, to be asked to think through this more, to have more conversations. I think in the end it may come down to a level of Christian liberty. We are not yet and probably never will be until the Lord returns where we're a John 17, a oneness that is between all the people of God, some ecumenical unity that is beautifully in Christ, there may just be a difference of opinion, like there might be between an Anglican and a Baptist or a Presbyterian, that there just is. And we love one another, we recognize that, and we give them a Christian freedom to make that decision. But we would hope they would do that with humility and with lots of open conversation. Uh, that that's not, it's not what's happening. They're just not conversation. People are mm. just they're just gone. So good conversations, time and prayer, clear biblical reasoning that that allows for a level of nuance and difference of interpretation, um, and then a proper closure 
that would be with the elders, with the congregants, uh, with, with people in your small group or those connected to you to protect the name of Christ uh, and then the church's reputation. Uh, and then to be open about our own uh, inability to perfectly understand and our Christian freedom in application. But but I would hope that the church leaders are the primary ones being spoken to about this and that there's a good conversation there. Yeah. Maybe a brief aside then to church leaders. Uh, what advice would you give to them in that kind of a situation when someone has come to them and said, I've got these concerns, I'm, I'm feeling maybe like this isn't a good fit. Uh, what, what would you say to that pastor? Yeah, guard your, guard your pride. Um, to the pastor that some of the most w- d- deepest wounds that pastors that I'm familiar with face are when people leave their church. It is impossible not to take it personally. Uh, th- Christ is their true shepherd. You are not. You are an under shepherd. No pastor can minister beautifully to everyone. People leave for good and for bad reasons. You must hold that loosely, not get defensive, not try to just you know, kind of attack or try to explain away to literally and humbly hold people loosely as to the Lord, to speak, be able to speak in their lives with gentleness and respect, but but in a way that allows them to embrace their Christian freedom. But but I think it's just hard, honestly. I think it's hard for pastors because it just hurts. It wounds. Uh, you invest uh, years into people's lives you 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 marry them you bury some of their family members and for them to not feel ministered to or that your preaching is not feeding them well or that this church is not loving them well when you're thinking of the late night visits etc etc it is very hard and we just must find a way not to be wounded by that and that's just a process in and of itself for the past Mm, yeah so i was talking to a friend recently who said something i thought was really interesting about what it feels like to visit a church for the first time. Uh, he described the experience as walking through the front door of the church with an invisible clipboard and kind of looking around to see if the church has everything or is doing everything that we would want it to do. And I think all of us, if we're honest, would say that we do have that invisible clipboard. It exists for all of us. The question is, is are we looking for the right things when we're looking at a new church? So I guess uh, I wonder if you could jump into the shoes of that person right now. What would be on your invisible clipboard if you were looking for a new church? Yeah, I mean, I I think, I I mean, before I even would go to a church, I would probably be making sure via their website or, or other available resources that they theologically are connected to a denomination or have a doctrinal statement that fits well a biblical gospel-based summary. Uh, And you'd also want to be seeing that that is actually the constitution by which they are living and acting out as Christian lives, right? Um, The centrality of corporate worship, uh, that that would be there. I I think that there should be a a level of focus on what discipleship looks like, whether that be for those in the church, right? A, a, A commitment to raising up disciples and a commitment to making new disciples, even things like prayer. It feels like that's a thing we, we've kind of lost in this generation. I, I would be looking for, I mean, when, when, when in Acts, early part of Acts, when the, when the apostles, right, the earliest call them elders of churches, are, are dealing with all the ministry needs of the people, and, and all of a sudden the kind of the office of deacon is being kind of established by God in his providence by the work of the Spirit. When they look at the role they have for the soul care of their people and not just the physical bodily care, they list two things, word and prayer. 
And so there's just a reality that there should be a sense of word and prayer happening in our churches, uh, that there's inreach, that there's outreach, that there's a family dimension. All of those things can vary. I, I would be leery of making the checklist merely preaching. Um, I, uh, other than that, it's based on God's word, and it, it, it seems. Do you say that because you think that's a common way I people do. view this? I, I think so. I, I think I think churches can be chosen. I, we are a celebrity culture, right? It's just part of us, and it doesn't have to be the most popular names. It, it can just be certain skill sets that we're drawn to. So uh, probably preaching and 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 the worship style music uh, are, are the things that we most base it on. Whereas the reality is that the healthiest of churches may not actually thrive in those two areas. Mm. The most spirit-led, biblically-based, disciple-forming churches may not be the biggest, may not have the most uh, eloquent speaking pastor, may not have the most vibrant, youthful worship style. Um, but God's Spirit works in those things beautifully because God's Spirit could preach through donkeys. God can preach through donkeys. Uh, God chose the weak to humble the strong, right? The gospel is proclaimed and the work of the Spirit does not require any particular vessel to work. And so there would be a case of time. I, that's where I wonder if it's hard to evaluate a church in a Sunday or two. Yeah. Because all you're looking at is the platform and, and, and arguably what a lot of churches tend to focus on is that Sunday event, when the reality is that most of church life is Monday through Saturday. Sunday is just that corporate gathering of God's people to kind of springboard them forward into the week of life and ministry that follows. And all those nooks and crannies you're not going to see just by being there for an hour on Sunday. Mm. Um, so all, all that to say is just being careful of the fact that our clipboard might be filled with boxes to tick that are driven more by the consumeristic mind of the air, of the air that we, drink, uh, we breathe and the water that we drink rather than like a, these are the clearly prescribed uh, aspects of what a healthy church looks like. Yeah, and on that front, uh, throughout history, uh, there have traditionally been three marks of the church, at least for Protestantism, that must be present for a church to truly be a church and be a healthy church. I wonder if you could comment on those three marks and how they would fit into a broader, uh, quote-unquote, checklist for a church. Yeah, so the three, the three marks are, are, is, is, is the word, so the gospel, preaching, the centrality of Scripture, which again is more than just a message. It's that the word is the constitution that is the bylaws, uh, the, 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 the road that we drive on directionally so that we know that everything we're doing is based on God and we're hearing from him. The, the second would be this ordinances or sacraments, right, which would be baptism, uh, and the Lord's Supper communion. And it's again, it's interesting, as I mentioned earlier, I worry, and I heard it framed this way before, I'm, I'm borrowing this from a, a paper I heard several years ago, that in evangelicalism, worship, music, but the worship experience is the new sacrament. I find that fascinating. Because that, you literally can have people, I, I came to my church, and there were people that had never been baptized, ever. And, and I was just shocked. And I remember I met with a man once, and he sat down to talk to me. I'd been there. At, at, I'm at, I've been, I just finished seven years at my church, but I'd been here about two years. And a man came in to meet with me, and I didn't even know what the meeting was about. And he says, I get the impression from hearing you preach over the last two years that baptism is a big deal. Hmm. And I say, it is a big deal. And to think that this man had gone over two decades... And, and, and baptism was not part of it. But I can guarantee you that our impression regarding whether 
it's it's a contemporary song or a particular hymn whether it's piano or guitar we have tons of strong spiritual connections to such things and yet the ordinances or sacraments would not be that would Mm. be remarkable so the centrality of those things and finally third is authority the third mark of the church is the authority of the church. This gets back to what we spoke about earlier. And I don't know how you can do this without some biblical understanding and practice of membership. Right? I'm not sure you can do that without that. There is an actual pastoral care and accountability that people have in their church. We established something a couple of years ago as a church where we divided our members into groupings and attached to each of those groups uh, an elder. And we asked our pastor elders, I mean, we use that language because an elder and a pastor is the same office, whether they're a lay elder or a staff elder, a pastor, they're the same office. We asked them to once a year connect with every single member on their list and to commit to hopefully weekly praying for them. And that, that those groups of people, they, they could talk to any elder, they could talk to any pastor, but we said this person is specifically assigned to care and shepherd you. They will be visiting year after year and caring for you. You can contact them. They gave cell numbers so that there was access. Because how do you do shepherding if you're not in the lives of people, if you're not sitting in their homes and hearing about when they lost their husband seven years ago and issues that they might need and care that they could need and you're learning their kids and their grandchildren's names and you're actually being a shepherd. And that is what I would I would hope our church is doing something that's faithful biblically. Um, and I would hope that somebody looking for a church would try to find something that fits true shepherding, pastoring of a family. Mm. I would imagine there might be some people listening right now who are either from church traditions that didn't emphasize membership very much, or maybe at all, or perhaps they just have never been a member of a church and and they never saw that as a super important thing to do, maybe never saw value in that. Um, What advice would you give them for thinking about that maybe for the first time and even even wondering, how long uh, should I wait before I become a member? And that it feels like a, a big commitment or a scary kind of commitment that they're just kind of wrestling with. What what should that look like? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I really don't know how you can do, how an individual can do what the Bible commands an individual to do, or how a church can do what the Bible commands a church to do without the process of church membership. I, I think church membership is something like a discipleship mechanism. It's a discipleship mechanism where the church commits itself, the church leaders, the congregation as a whole, commits itself to care for and shepherd an individual Christian. And it's also a discipleship mechanism in the way that an individual Christian commits and submits him or herself to a local church. So it's, I just think it's, I think it's, it's not like you see the word membership in the Bible, but the substance of membership, the subject matter of membership is all over the place in the nature of its commands. I would hope that in some kind of a transition that there would be, if you're moving to a new area, that you start looking for churches, you find one or two, you're attending, you're meeting with the pastors and elders, you're learning about the process, maybe you're spending a few months, even in an ideal world, and some churches require this, some churches don't, you're even communicating with the church you left. You're getting their insight into a particular church. You're saying, you know what, we're going to sit in a new new members class, and I'm meeting with the elders, and when we transition membership, we'll, we'll send a letter to let you know. I mean, that would be an ideal world. Uh, I, I think that's happening uh, too few and far between, where most mm. people aren't even thinking about membership. And and to be honest with you, Matt, I'm not even sure most churches are teaching on it. 
Yeah. And so a lot of this falls into the fact that churches need to say, brothers and sisters, this is what it looks like where we commit to you, where I pray weekly for the 32 people on my membership list, that, that they call me in the middle of the night. I am one of their shepherds. And this is what it looks like. Um, and I can't do that for the 500 people, but I can do that for the members and even for a church to balance its resources. Uh, I, I wonder if, in, in a sense, not that we don't want to focus on new people, or regular attenders, but we have covenanted, so to speak, with our members that there should be a special care that we give to them uh, as part of our commitment to them and their commitment to us. Yeah, that makes me think that, I guess I wonder if part of the resistance or indifference that some Christians might have towards that issue of membership does stem from never really being taught or shown the importance of it, the practical value of it in their own lives. And I think they, they, they feel like they experience all of the same benefits of a local church without going through this maybe weird formal process that, that ultimately just means their name is on a list somewhere, but it doesn't actually make a difference for their experience of the church. Yeah, well, and I and and that would be likely possible. It could, and the, I'd be scared if or concerned if other reasons would be a lack that the, they don't want the accountability or they don't want the responsibility um, that just in the biblical prescriptions about a role or even congregational roles in a congregational church with membership meeting and voting and things or service. Um, kind of an anti-authoritarian, anti-institutional vibe in our culture, that could definitely be part of the symptom of a lack of membership, let alone, as we've spoken about, the church not teaching on such mm. things. Um, I, I just, I think, I think there's a real healthy process. I had a, I had a person, when we, when we tried to set this up about four years ago in our church, where we had the elders over a select group, I had a person come to our, our, our kind of membership class that, I, that I'm the one that the main one that teaches that as well. And uh, when they talked to me at a break at one point, they said, do you, do you know why I signed up? I, she, she goes, I know there's probably better reasons and more biblical. But when I heard that I would be prayed for, right, oh. that there was there was an accountability that the leadership was making to its members I realized that that I, I need I need that, and I'm like, yes, there, there's other good reasons, but that's a good reason, yeah. because we are committing ourselves to people in a local body. I think that's what Christ commands His shepherds, His under shepherds, to do, mm. and membership is the way we know who they are, and we know how to care for them, and and how we can keep accountable to them as to the Lord. Yeah, yeah. So we've already hit on this a little bit, but I, I wanted to return to the topic of preaching. Uh, so we've said that, you know, hearing a sermon on a Sunday morning is is only a snapshot of what a church is all about and their commitments and, and how they operate. Um, but even with that said, a Sunday sermon is sort of the front door. It is often the first, the first thing that someone's going to encounter about a church. So uh, for the person who's, who's visiting a church for the first time, sitting down in the pew, waiting for the sermon to begin, what are some things that they should be watching for, paying attention to in the sermon that might be helpful for them to consider? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Uh, the, the, the way that the Word is honorably and seriously handled, right? So it, not just the communicative skill of the pastor, 
but the centrality of the word in in practice and in focus. I think that would be we, God's word is what God wanted to share with us, right? So why, why or how could we have anything else more important that we want to say at that corporate worship gathering than God's word? That's at least for me why, at least in our church, expository preaching is the primary means. We don't. It's not every Sunday is 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 specifically through a book, but it's a, the the majority of them, because God already said what He wants us to hear. And so not that expository preaching is the mark of faithful preaching, but just that is one good expression of the centrality of the Word of God, of getting in and letting us truly hear what God's Word wants to say. And just being careful that we, are, we, are, we have been sensitized to be entertained uh-huh. and to be careful that it may not just be the style of the presentation, but the substance of it that's the most important. And it should be God's word in its detail that is proclaimed week after week. That that is how you're fed. That that's a good steak dinner, and that's what we're looking for. A- applicable illustrations, absolutely, but that is based on God's word. Yeah. So when you think about the sermon, or maybe even the worship service in general, uh, are there any warning signs that you would encourage uh, people to also be paying attention for? I mean, this is tricky because I feel like it's it, it can be tempting here. In this kind of a question, right, to be critical or negative toward other, you know, aspects of Christian evangelicalism, you know, my own my own concern would be uh, an overly attractional focus uh, of churches, right? That would that would kind of springboard from the text because the content of the text doesn't seem as exciting enough or seem as relevant to people, and so the various other topics that 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 are more prevalent in their minds and daily lives rather than the the thickness and of the truth of God's word and not even just from the New Testament but from the old. I heard a stat that's a few years old that 75% of churches conservative churches on Sunday morning uh, preach from Paul's letters, right? Well, wow. that Paul's letters are 25% of the New Testament and the Old Testament is bigger than the New. Yeah. So are people hearing from the Old Testament? Are they hearing the full counsel of God's word? Are pastors able to communicate that? Are seminaries training our people to know and, and, and explain those things to God's God's flock. Uh, that's the question. I, I would just hope that there would be a seriousness to God's word that would be there, and I would be leery of finding just the attractional event as the healthiest version of what it means to do church. Hmm. So you talked a little bit about when leaving a church, the value of sitting down with the church leadership and and having a conversation with them about that before you just up and disappear. Would you say it's also valuable to do that same kind of thing on the front end when you're visiting a new church? Uh, and if so, what, what kinds of questions would you want to be asking a leadership team with a new church? Yeah, that's a great that's a great question. I, I think so, uh, and, and we 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 experience that a, lo- a lot of people will want to sit down, the, the, and usually those are the people in my in my experience. It's a small data sample, but that have a level of maturity that know or have an idea of what healthy church looks like and know that it's not going to be visible just from an hour on a Sunday morning. Um, but but I would want to be asking questions about the the history of the church, the the community in which it's ministering, especially if I'm new. Like, how are we, how are we f- serving as an embassy of the kingdom in this place of which I'm going to be a part? Uh, how, how are we raising up disciples? And, and, and the individual Christian may have some ways that that's been done before, but may also be able to learn from the new pastor, but also just being known. I want to be faithful to the Lord. Help me, Pastor Elder, 
help me know what that looks like here, uh, how I can be a part of it, and 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 what what it, what faithful Christianity looks like in this body. And I would hope there'd be a lot of overlap between churches, um, but but reality is that's a very good meeting to have and moving toward the discipleship mechanism of membership, which would just seem to be required. Uh, not only just for the process that the Bible prescribes, but then also for the relational dynamic that a local church family has to have. Mm, yeah. So, so you've already said that you're in a, a kind of Baptistic church that's that's got a congregational model of leadership, and obviously there are lots of different churches that have a variety of approaches to formal spiritual leadership in the church. Um, but even in the midst of that variety, are there things about the leadership of a church that you would consider to be non-negotiables, that, that really uh, Christians should be paying attention to? That's a good question. It can be, it can be hard to, to list certain specific things. Here's a couple things I would say. Um, I would hope that, that there would be a system of governance that reflects the plurality of leadership of elders. That's, that, that's important. I think that's just important. I think that reflects the biblical model. A level of accountability uh, both to the congregation at least for us as a congregational church but then also among the elder board uh, I, I'm leery of the CEO approach I, I just think that there's just too much room for human error and and pride and and just and one thing I have just learned is God created uh, a variety of people with a variety of gifts and the church needs all of those so a healthy plurality of leadership and accountability is just significant. So when that is when that is visible in the church, and those can be questions that people ask, how how is the senior pastor held accountable by the elder board? Um, what, who 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 makes the decisions? Like who are the power brokers? In are there those? I mean, those are questions I asked even as I was interviewing in this church. I asked, are are there some power brokers that aren't even going to be on an elder board that are really trying to make such decisions and influence the church? Like basically various forms of cancer or unhealth that you kind of want a PET scan to find out if it's present. It, you, you'll never know for sure, and you're asking the Lord to reveal that, but having a conversation, seeing a level of humility, seeing procedures that allow for a plurality and accountability of the elders and pastors, I think is very important. Mm, yeah. Well, Mickey, thank you so much for helping us to think through this, this tr- tricky issue that uh, we have all faced at some point or will face at some point. Uh, we really appreciate you taking the time. Well, thanks for having me, Matt. That was Mickey Klink on Finding a New Church. For more, be sure to check out his book with Crossway, The Local Church, What It Is and Why It Matters for Every Christian from Crossway. For more interviews like this, subscribe to the Crossway podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a review, which helps us spread the word about the show. Crossway is a not-for-profit Christian ministry that exists solely for the purpose of proclaiming the truth of God's word through publishing gospel-centered content. Visit us today at crossway.org.